but it's fine. Jesus still loves me, and everything's going to be great. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Revel 1929. I'm so excited you're here. My name is Brittany. Uh, I am a young adult pal star, I guess, and <laughs> I'm just so excited you guys are here. Uh, we have a really awesome night planned, and so we're going to roll through some, uh, as Nick would say, an infomercial, some, some uh, announcements here. So this weekend, I don't know if y'all knew, but this weekend is Easter weekend. I don't know if you have a planner or whatever. It's great. I don't work on Good Friday. It's amazing. Love that. Um, so we're doing a two-part two-part Easter service, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Make sure you come to both or you'll have serious FOMO. Come bring your friends, bring your family. I just thought of the kid that the guy that's like, had your kids, had your wife. We're not going to say the rest of that, but (laughs) I'm not going to finish that. Um, Also, because we have Easter and Elliot, our star worship director. We'll be practicing with our amazing worship team and production homies. So we will not have team night because they're just going to like take over the theater and it's going to be flipping amazing. So, yep. Okay, great. Let's start. So (laughs) do you guys, do you have any like, like you're obsessed with things or you've ever been obsessed with anything? And, like, I'm, like, talking, like, more than, like, oh, my gosh, obsessed. Like, do you ever, like, say that? Like, your friend gets their hair done. You're, like, I'm obsessed with your hair, girl. (laughs) It's, like, such a popular thing to say. Like, for example, I'm obsessed with my Fitbit that I just got last week. (laughs) Holly's really mad at me because I keep talking about it, but it's fine. It literally measures my sleep. It's freaking amazing. If you have a Fitbit, let's be friends on Fitbit. Yeah, you can be friends on Fitbit. Fun fact. That was free. That was free. Um, so, but have you really, have you ever had any, like, legit obsessions? And this could be something that is everything Okay. Everything okay? Okay, great. Uh, so this could be something that is like super, it starts off healthy or it may be healthy. You're like, dude, I'm obsessed with going to the gym. I'm obsessed with being healthy. Uh, it could be something very unhealthy. Like I'm obsessed with going to the gym and I'm obsessed with eating healthy. Something that is so, uh, could be positive or starts out positive, but it ends up being something that is super unhealthy. Um, it could be something as far as like someone you like (laughs) and you are literally become obsessed with that person. Um, so for example, (laughs) I'm going to separate you two. Uh, so (laughs) totally serious. Uh, so you could, for example, when I was young, um, I was boy crazy. Yeah, right? Right? But honestly, I am a hopeless romantic, y'all. And that may be... Thank you, Carson. Um, that may be hard to 
un, like believe because so Holly always like anytime Holly's my roommate. Holly loves a good rom-com. If you don't know what that means, uh, Holly shortens everything in this romantic comedy. Holly is always like, you want to watch a movie? Let's watch a rom-com. And I'm always like, no, dude, I don't want to watch a rom-com. I don't want to. I hate rom-coms. And I always have this like facade, like, I hate it. It's false advertisement. But really, it's because I'm honestly a hopeless romantic. And if I watch a romantic comedy, I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, I hate my life. Where is my husband? You know, why isn't he doing that? Why isn't he here? You know? Um, but, yeah, I, like, literally am a hopeless romantic. And I've been that way since I was little because I just have so much love, y'all. And I just want to give it out there. Just, like, throw it out there. I want to receive it. And so when I was little, we're going to go back to, like, kindergarten, Brittany. And I was in love with this boy. His name was Danny Cox. <laughs> C-O-X, guys. Get your mind out of the cover. <laughs> His name was Danny Cox, and I was in love with him. Um, and I, we had, like, I don't know if you guys, like, in your kindergartens or preschool had, like, mailboxes, like, cubbies. Yeah, okay, so I would write Danny Cox love letters every day. <laughs> every day I would write him a love letter, and I would put my heart and soul into it. And sometimes, you know, in my head, it would just be like this well-thought-out thing, and it was mostly like, will you marry me? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> like, but I was in love with him, and... Apparently, he was not all about this. Not all about kindergarten Brittany. <laughs> and honestly, I think he was a little creeped out. So he told our teacher, and she broke the news to me right in front of Danny. And I just, like, honestly felt my heart break. Like, I was just like, oh, Daniel, is this, is this true? <laughs> you don't love my love letters? <laughs> But he, he was not having it. He was actually very uncomfortable. But that is something that I was literally obsessed with him. But we have these things, right, and that we become obsessed with. And this may be, you know, a celebrity. This might be Justin Bieber, y'all. In love with Justin Bieber? Being obsessed with Justin Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> but we become obsessed. We love these things. And things, honestly consume so much of our minds that they become idols. So if you think right now, what are things that are consuming your thoughts, your energy, your emotions that are consuming you more than God? What are you obsessing over and thinking about? What is consuming your thoughts? This is not to shame you or anything like that, because literally we all do it. <laughs> so what is your idol? What are you worshiping in your life? Because we have these things called idols, and, you know, we read about them. We read about these people, the Israelites, or just anyone in the Bible that are worshiping gods with a lowercase g, because they're not that cool. And <laughs> they're worshiping these things, and we're like, dude, you're so dumb. Like, 
God's provided so many times. Like, why are you worshiping these other things? Why are you doing this? But we do it on a daily basis. We literally obsess about things that don't matter. We are so more pumped to watch the Game of Thrones premiere than we are to come to church on a Sunday. We are more excited to listen to a new album that has come out, Ariana Grande, what's up? Then listen to God's voice. We go to concerts and we raise our hands and we have a blast and dance and jump all around. But then when we come to worship, if you are a believer, and it's literally like you're like plank, like you don't know how to act you can't, you feel uncomfortable raising your hands. You feel embarrassed to raise your hands, but then you at a concert acting a fool, <laughs> and it's okay. But we have these idols. And so uh, this is actually going on. We are jumping, skipping, hopping over. If you don't know, we are doing this series called Storytime. That's why this slide has been up there for so long. And what we are doing is we are taking stories from the Bible and we are connecting them to Jesus. And this is all Old Testament, like OT, y'all. And I know how hard it is because I used to read the Bible, especially when I first became a believer. And I would just be like, dude, who is this God? Why he's so mad all the time. Like, like literally, there's, there, I don't see Jesus in this at all. And so we are doing that. We are looking at stories. And this week, we are looking at the book of Hosea. So it's legit. And so in this book, they are, right now, the Israelites are worshiping other idols. And God is super chapped about this situation, okay? <laughs> so we are going to start out. This is Hosea 1-2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of whoredom. Have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. <laughs> Everyone say whoredom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and the person listening to the podcast is like, What? <laughs> But for real, it says whore or whoredom in this book 17 times. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for every single person in this room. Please don't uh, let them be scared because I just said whore so many times. Uh, we, yeah, you love everyone in here, everyone in this town, everyone in this world. I thank you for your unconditional love. Help me to not say anything else stupid and speak through me. Amen. Great. Okay, great. So, you might wonder, okay, if God's so great and loving, then why does he say whore so much? Well, back in these days, back in the good old days, I don't know about that, but back in these days, pretty much, if you ever watch Game of Thrones, I talk about Game of Thrones a lot because I love it. Don't judge me. We're all on a, you know, just on a good old trip. And so, back in the day, a prostitute was also a name for a prostitute was a whore. It wasn't like a derogatory, like, I remember that girl, she was a hoe for sure. Like, it was just like title, like prostitute. That's, that's what it was. Um, and also, 
in the Hebrew, it also means unfaithful. And so a little bit about this book. So there's this dude named Hosea, in case you didn't get the the hint there. Um, And he is a prophet. He is a good dude. And so pretty much he is one of those people that just says, God, use me. I will do whatever. Uh, Be careful with your words and what you tell God you'll do. And his life is his ministry. And so God literally tells him, okay, great. Uh, Go and marry a whore and have children to her. And he's just like, really? Uh, Okay. And so he goes and he marries this chick named Gomer. Everyone say Gomer. Gomer. Gomer's name, you know, no offense to anyone named Gomer, even though I feel like no one would name their child Gomer, no offense. Um, The meaning of her name actually means completion of idolatry. Yeah. And so the theme of this book is actually called the book of the law of love. You see what? This is literally like not many people know about this book, but this is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. Because as I said before, I am a hopeless romantic. (laughs) But anyways, so he's pretty much being set up for disappointment. He has babies to Gomer, but we don't really know if all of them are his. We know like maybe one are his, um, but he takes them in as his own, and he names them. The translations are, I will scatter, no longer showing mercy, not my people. Savage. Savage. So pretty much, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but so God tells him to marry Gomer, They have three kids, or she has three kids. And he loves her. And then she goes, leaves him and the kids, and goes back to prostitution. And God tells him to go and buy his wife back. Can you imagine? I mean... I can imagine, and I, I'm, I'm going to give Hosea the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure he's a really good dude. Um, but I can imagine how hard that must have been to go, not only to ask his wife to come back, but literally he had to buy her back. He had to buy her back. And so we see this. There's only, like, small parts that tell the story, but there's a bunch of prophecy And in the prophecy, um, like, God is literally telling Hosea, like, yo, I'm ticked. I'm ticked at these Israelites. I'm sick of it. I'm mad. I literally created them. I nurtured them. I helped them walk. I provided so many times. I took them out of slavery. I've done all of these things, but they're still worshiping idols. Not cool, bro. Not cool. But then he goes off on this big rant, and he says, I, he's pretty much saying, like, I should just destroy them. 
I should just give him my wrath. And then he says, but I am not man, I am God. And he goes on to say these beautiful words about how much he loves his people and how much he cares for them and that he, he's just going to forget all of that and he's going to buy them back, just like Hosea went and bought Gomer back. And it goes into 110. Yet the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it says to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. So even the people who have literally said that they do not belong to him, even the people that he was so upset with, he says there will be a time that they will be children of the living God. And he even goes on to say, and they will have the head of the church, and that is Jesus. And so just like Hosea went and bought back Gomer, he, God, sent Jesus down to buy us back with his blood. And so we look at this and we see different messages in this book, and one of them is that we see God's love displayed for his people. Because so many times, and I said this in the beginning, we read the Bible and we're just like, dude, like I said, why, why is he so mad? Why does he, how is this the same God? Well, one, I think a lot of the Old Testament shows us that we need a savior because we couldn't live up to the law. We need Jesus. And so this book is showing that, that change of how everything is going to change because, again, just like God told Hosea to purchase Gomer back, he is purchasing us back because he loves us so much. It is foreshadowing Jesus coming back. And the story is just honestly dripping with his mercy and his love and his grace. And the last thing that is, I mean, it does a lot of things, but the big thing is God is not going to hold your past against you. And he will honestly do anything that is necessary to bring you back. He is going to show up in places that you would not expect to see him. Places that aren't holy. Places that are scary. Places that no one would go. Places that are dirty. Places that are scandalous. We have a scandalous God and he will go where no one else will go. And he will kick down doors to get you. He knows where you are. And he has been honestly waiting for you to turn to him. Because again, just like he's going to knock down that door, he wants you to turn to him. Because he's not going to force anything on you. Because he loves you so much, he wants you to turn to him and say, Dad, I need you. Father, I need you. God, I need you in my life because I cannot do this alone. And so... Gomer is a representation of not just Israel, but us. Because honestly, and even if you are saved, even if you are accepted Jesus in your life, we are turning to things that are not God. 
We are obsessing over things that are not God. We are letting things consume our minds that are not God, that are not uplifting, that are honestly detrimental to ourselves. We are turning to things that we think will satisfy us, that we think will heal us, and they will never, ever satisfy us. The only thing that will ever satisfy us is Jesus. And so we are running to things that are literally, I mean, there's so many analogies in the Bible that talk about thirst. And we're running to things like, for example, Pepsi, okay? <laughs> like, you're like, wait, what? Pepsi? Um, but people drink pop all the time. Like, literally, I have a friend that doesn't drink any water. Uh, and it's very unfortunate, and honestly, I'm terrified for his health. But pop does not actually quench your thirst, Water does. Water, come on, Elliot. That's what's up. <laughs> you know what? Comparison is many, one of the many tools of the devil. It's fine. Uh, but, <laughs> but water is the only thing that you drink that is actually going to quench and satisfy your thirst. A lot of us spiritually are going to Pepsi instead of Jesus, the living water to actually satisfy us. And so the fate of Gomer is actually the fate of God's people. And the story of Gomer is not just the story of Israel, but it's also our story. Um, and honestly, our stories are so important. I think a lot of times we keep our stories to ourselves um, because of shame and guilt, and by the way, shame and guilt is not from God whatsoever. God actually wants you to share your story because there are people that maybe have gone through the same thing that you have, and sometimes keeping that story to yourself um, can be honestly one detrimental because it helps you to tell your story, but there might be someone in your life that's going through the same thing that needs to hear bless you, God bless you, um, <laughs> that needs to hear that story, that redemption, that grace. And so today we have a special speaker coming up, my dear friend Sam Pennell. She's going to share her story with us. Sorry, the microphone's so sweaty. My hands get sweaty. <laughs> I'll start now. Oh, my goodness. When Holly said it was really bright up here when she w had her turn the other week, I was like, it can't be that bright. And now I literally cannot see anybody. So that's good for my confidence right now. But, okay. So you could sort of say that I grew up in the church, but not the typical way. Like, you know, people's parents took them, and it was a good time and everything. And they were baptized when they were a baby. But I was actually baptized when I was 10. And it was so awkward because, you know, usually they just, like, pour the water on the baby and like walk around the church in my church but they did it to me and then I was drug around with my pastor and like three other people who were also baptized on that day and we just paraded around the aisles of the church and it was so awkward it looked like I was in like a 10 year old wedding because I had like the big white dress on and everything but yeah so that happened but um, my dad never went to church. He actually went to like Catholic school all his life, and he wasn't really a fan after that. And then 
Um, my mom did take us to Sunday school and made us go um, to church after with her, but that really went on and off until we were like too busy on the weekends and Sunday was our only day off, which is an awful excuse. But um, my church had a thing called confirmation. So around sixth grade, you could decide to become a member of the church. And um, even though I was baptized, it wasn't really like anything symbolic. Like to me, it was more just like a thing you did. Um, I was baptized later, I'll get to that, um, by Brittany in University Square Pool. It was a great time. <laughs> um, but so I decided to go through confirmation with a few of my friends and um, we have to pick a mentor for your church and I picked my neighbor who lived behind me and her name was Carol and she never had kids and both of her husbands died and she was just like we needed each other and she's the best person ever and she's still my I, we call each other like our adopted grandparents and granddaughter um but she's the person who like finally got my faith started and through confirmation you learn more than you would in Sunday school. And I became a member of church and then um, I went to a little like country church with like 50 people max if like everyone was there. And we sung out of hymnals, it was nothing like this, let me tell you. Um, so that's when my faith started. But um, from confirmation, to about like 10th grade, my life was pretty good. And then um, my brother unfortunately grew into a drug addiction problem and that like really teared my family apart, specifically my parents. So it's only me and my brother, I'm a dog champ, love of my life. Um, and yeah, so that happened and I was so ashamed of like the problem because of the stigma of drug addiction these days and everything. Um, and it didn't really happen in my town, which it, everyone says it doesn't happen in their town until it happens, and then, like, everyone sort of talks about it. Um, but that, like, really made my home life tough, and um, I uh, leaned on Jesus a lot to get me through that. And um, from his drug addiction, I didn't have, like, the best relationship with him. And um, he would steal my stuff, and he would ask me for money all the time and he would sell my stuff and he, he would lie and it just like was the worst thing ever and I could not wait to go to college. So um, I did not do anything in high school drinking, drug related because I was like, I don't want to end up like this. Like reasonably people would think, you know, how addiction like runs in families and stuff. Um, so I was so excited to come to college and when I came to college, I met these great people at CCO and some of them are here and um, I, they were the most amazing friends, and I loved that church, but there was, like, this voice inside my head. Some might say Satan or somebody, you know, and it was like, you need to go have the college experience. Like, you don't have to be good for the rest of your life type thing. Like, nothing bad's going to happen. So I would explain it as I was running into the sunset with Satan, and, like, my life just took, like, a downward spiral. So I... um made friends with all these people who partied and like would puke until like puke and rally like if you would call it that and people who did drugs which I said I would never vow to do and people who thought like sleeping around was a contest to who would have the highest body count and I kid you not I was so wrapped up in like the enemy that I tried 
edibles when I had never even had weed before and I thought I was dying so I called the cops on myself and you cannot overdose from weed if anybody was aware but I thought I was and it was I was just so far from the church and like my morals that I had and I like felt so bad because I let down Carol who was like go find a church and be a good Christian like you know what I mean um and then I fell into this relationship with this guy who I thought was the best thing since sliced bread. I was like, this is the one I'm going to marry. Spoiler alert, not, didn't happen. Um, So we were really good friends before we started dating, and I thought it was going all dandy. And then two weeks after we started dating, my brother actually died. And I'm okay to talk about it now, but some people try to talk about to me and I like completely lose it, AKA Katie Denton, who feels so bad to this day. And some people like I can talk about it normally, but I'll keep it together today. So my brother overdosed on heroin and it like so wrecked me because I didn't have the best relationship with him, but like it was getting better and like then now he's gone. So it's like, I can never take back that time. So that really shook me and just how we like idolize things when we aren't close to God. I started idolizing this boy and I worshiped him and I like believed all these lies. I was like, we're going to get married. So it's fine if we have sex because I'm going to marry him and it's not going to matter then. And that's like what I told myself. Um, And if he was mean to me, it was just because I was, he was having a bad day and it's like, fine, it'll blow over. And, um, it was just a bad situation, and, like, don't get me wrong, we did have, like, good times, and he, he was nice and everything, but it just was not the kind of relationship that I ever thought I would be in, and um, so uh, together we started going to Amplify, which was this old, like, this church's old name, um, and I started to get back into the whole church thing, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I, I'm obviously so down the wrong road right now that I need to, like, you know, pull a UE, like, get back out of here. Um, and I started seeing all these people that were living like Christ and how I needed to change that. And so all of a sudden, when I was, like, going to parties or, like, doing sexual things I wasn't supposed to or just even, like, cursing and stuff like that, I felt that the Holy Spirit inside me was, like, no, like, this is wrong. Like, I felt so wrong when I used to not feel wrong about that kind of stuff. Um, And then when I explained this to the boy, um, it did not go well. And I was broken up with out of the blue. And um, the only reasoning that I could take from it was that, like, since I was becoming a different person than, like, he was used to me being, like, I didn't go out and party as much and, like, all that kind of stuff that, like, he didn't want to be with me anymore. But... I idolized him so much when my brother died to help me get through that that I never really got over my brother dying. So when he broke up with me, that wrecked me. And then my, like, then with on top of like getting over with my brother dying, um, it was just like I ripped the band-aid off like super fast. You know, like it doesn't, it's not supposed to hurt, but it like hurt so bad. And I became so depressed and I had such bad anxiety. And um, I literally had moments where I was like, I just don't need to be here anymore. Like, no one would care if I was gone, which is so wrong. And today is National Semicolon Day, if anybody was aware of that. And, like, the semicolon, like, your story's not over. And I have a tattoo of the semicolon. Oh, shameless plug for the semicolon project. But um, I 
was so upset, but um, then I kept coming back to Amplify, and I, then I came to the U, and I learned that I can accept God's grace for my life, and all of that past shame and guilt from what decisions I made can um, be forgiven, and like even future ones, um, but my problem was that I was still with friends who didn't encourage the Christ-like life. So I got plugged in here. I tried to leave my um, unsupportive friends of my new choices, and it was a lot of back and forth, and I still struggle. Um, some days my depression still grabs a hold of me, and some days I just lay in bed all day because that's all I can really do. Um, and I still feel the guilt and shame from those past mistakes, but as Brittany said, like, guilt and shame doesn't come from God and um, things like that. Um, so, um, this, this church and all the people who love me in this church have, like, truly saved me, um, and Jesus has done the same things for all of you guys, too, and if I can recover from, like, thinking I was at my lowest low and coming back to being here today and not, like, I would have never shared my story if I didn't trust all these people in this room because, you know, who wants to admit that, like, they had sex before they were married and, like, tried drugs and did all that to church people who, like, don't do that, you know what I mean? So, um, Jesus saved us, and just like Gomer was taken back, and Brittany has an awesome story, like everyone here has this story, and they've been saved by Jesus, and you can too, believe it or not, and like you're never too far gone to come back to Jesus. Like I had a relationship with Christ, and then I went down the wrong road, and now I'm back, and my life is so great. Like I have this job after I graduate. I'm getting a dog. Like I never thought I would get back to this point after my brother died in this breakup, but like God seriously saved me, and I could never like go back to that now, and um, so if you have this feeling in your heart, um, and the reason you're here tonight is that you want to give your life to Jesus like I did, and you so can, no matter how many bad things you've done, um, I'm going to give you that chance. So if everyone can close your eyes and bow your head for a moment of privacy. Um, if you're here tonight and you're ready for um, Jesus and his grace and all of your past, future, sins, current sins to be forgiven, um, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three, and we need to remember it's not the raising of your hand that saves you, but it's your heart turning towards God, so one, God loves you so much, two, you don't have to live with the burden of your past, this is the best decision you can make, and three, Raise your hand if you want to make that decision. Thank you, Jesus, for the people in this room tonight that decided to follow you and accept your grace. Their lives have been changed for the best on this evening. Even if people didn't raise their hands, you knew who they are, and you know the decision that they made today to follow you. We thank you for all of your support and grace that you have given us Amen.